I first started collecting when I was seven years old. I'd have been eight years old at the time. I was in elementary school. And then I, I stopped collecting. Junior high, it like kind of outgrew collecting cards. When you get to high school, you want to chase girls and get fancy cars and got into cars or girls or something else, you know, in high school. Then the pandemic hit and everybody was at home. The victim pulled out the gun. With a disagreement over trading cards. In August of 2020, I got back into it and started buying again. I just recently got back into it about three months ago. One of my friends was like, hey, I just bought a sports card for $15,000. They're not worth that much. There's just no way. And everybody was at home. Everybody had a chance to go through their collection. People realized that there was money to be made in this industry. Okay, explain what is going on. It's like, I just spent 15 grand and I plan to sell it in maybe six weeks time for 10 grand more. I'm like, six weeks time, you're gonna make 10 grand? How is that possible? There are kids in high school right now that will be financially independent by the time they are 30 because they've started investing in sports cards today. Oh, look at that. People laugh at me that I'm looking at Pokemon cards, but you know, I'm having fun because I'm revisiting my childhood. At the same time, I'm monetizing my future. Once you hold these cards in your hand and you realize it's, it's American history, Jackie Robinson's 1948 Leaf and Michael Jordan's rookie card, it brings back all that excitement of a kid. You become addicted and it's exciting and fun. Oh, this is hard. This was just used. That's crazy that I look at the picture and I remember the game. I'm working hard every single day to make this rookie card worth something. The money that's in the industry right now is staggering. There's so many people that are coming in that pull out a lot of $1,000, $2,000, or $3,000 to make their weekly purchase. The only reason the sports card market took off was because of me. Because it's my vision that put baseball cards on the map and turned it from a hobby to a multi-million dollar business opportunity. I don't know what, I've never done it like this. By the way, this is very rare for me to interviews with sports cards. I've turned down everything. Today is the episode that I've been super excited about to, to bring you uh, special guest Chris Fitzgerald, writer, producer of this incredible new movie about sports cards coming out called Behind the Card. Chris, welcome to Hoops and Cards, man. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Yeah, so great to, to meet you and hear a bit about your story, hear a bit about this movie coming up. I mean, uh, I would love to just have you tell us, first of all, like, tell us about Behind the Card. What's it about? What are some things that, that we need to know as card collectors and investors? Because uh, sounds incredible. You know, sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah. yeah Behind the Card is a feature film documentary on the sports card market and uh, or the sports card industry. And what that means for individuals out there that don't collect cards is collecting ba baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, uh, TCG like Pokemon, MetaZoo. There's a lot of different avenues of cards out there that individuals collect and a, a bunch of ways that you can invest in this marketplace as well. And I actually consider it an alternative investment nowadays. So to take a step back for a second, alternative investments are like crypto, NFTs online, paintings. Um, but when people look at investing in physical goods, sports cards started to, to really boom over the last four or five years. So 
you might have seen an article here or there that said, hey, a car went for a million dollars and not everyone collects that one, right? So for new collectors that would come into the marketplace, you may lose your way very quickly because it's uh, the car market space is really an unregulated space. There's a lot going on. It typically moves monthly in terms of what happens. So really what I wanted to do was provide you know, ordinary people that don't collect cars uh, the right knowledge and the right, say, roadmap to start investing or start collecting because some individuals collect to make money in the future and some like mm -hmm. to do what's considered PC or your personal collection where you just collect your favorite basketball player and uh, you just enjoy car collecting. So we really focused on giving those individuals an understanding of how to really take this intricate like uh, web of industry and, and mold it into one location so that individuals have a, a head start to really focus on uh, collecting the right way up front so they don't lose their way. Well, uh, you reached out to me probably six weeks ago with, hey, can we share this idea and can we talk about it? like uh, this, the whole behind the card concept and what, what the card market has done these last few years. I, I, I feel like this was a movie made for us <laughs> as far as card collectors and investors. Uh, some of us coming back to the hobby, some of us brand new to this whole thing. But uh, I, I was fortunate enough, thank you, by the way, for a sneak peek, a chance to actually watch the film. We're not going to do any spoilers today because it's not out yet. But I will say this, I, I came away feeling like, yeah, like that's, that's the life that I've lived or that's the, that's the passion that I've had and, and seen develop for cards again here at a different stage in my life. And, and that's the story. And the movie does that so well. I felt like uh, entertained. I felt drawn in. I felt like, oh man, my, my family needs to see this because it, it, it explains some things, you know, for people like why cards and, and how they've evolved and how, like you said, it's, a, it's an investment piece too. It's not just a uh, hobby or a sports fan thing. It's, it's for everybody in many ways. And so I'd love to hear, where did you get the idea you know, for the movie in the first place, because you're you're one of us too. Like you've been involved with uh, cards at various points in your life, so that that's just a, a fascinating. Hey, how do we get here? You know. Yeah, definitely. And um, at my age uh, of 36 now, a lot of us, you know, started collecting when we were really young, and we got back in during quarantine when maybe we got bored or saw an article about sports cards. We're like, wow, we used to collect, right? Or we pulled out some cards that ended up being worth hundreds of dollars from our um, our parents' attic, right? So uh, during quarantine, a lot of that was going on. And then uh, from my perspective, actually, was uh, I moved from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and we went out to Target uh, with my wife, and I saw a box of cards. And I was like, wow, I haven't done that in a while. Let me buy a box of cards <laughs> and check it out. So uh, I think it was uh, it was 19 Prism, so Zion's year. So I got lucky, got a box. I didn't realize how lucky I was at the time. Um, but went back another week later and there was no basketball. There was like, uh, what was, I think, Topps Heritage Baseball, which is kind of the low-end product that you Paper. don't yeah. really plan for, right? And I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, why is there no box of the cards? Did quarantine slow down shipment or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. And I went back uh, another week and there was none again. So then I went online to figure out what was going on. And then I realized there's this whole new world of, of investing and Individuals were actually buying $20, $25 boxes of cards and flipping them online on eBay for 200 bucks same day. So that's when I realized something different was going on in this space. So I uh, got a few more boxes myself, luckily. And then I realized I went on eBay, started looking at what a Zion rookie was going for. 
And all of a sudden I was uh, on eBay selling cars, which was pretty wild, right? Like uh, coming straight from not being in the industry to seeing what was going on and realizing this, this was happening. And uh, it really hit us to do the movie when uh, my wife kind of noticed I was selling one, two, three cards a day. And then all of a sudden I started bringing 30 cards down to ship a day. And she was like, what's going on? This is crazy. You're making this money, you know, just essentially opening up packs of cards in a $20 box. Making it and, rain, uh, Chris. Went online. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I showed her online what was going on. And uh, all of a sudden she was like, wow, this really feels like a movie. And I was like, you know what? This could be a movie. So we started really diving into research from there. So it's uh, nice. Yeah. At, at what point in 2019 then, or are you saying 2020, did that yeah, conversation like, happen? The, the box like, was 1920, you know, because gotcha. it came out later, right? And, uh, but yeah, this was gotcha. like during 2020. Okay. So this was later in 2020. Um, and uh, we, we essentially spent, I would say, the last quarter of 2020 to the beginning of 2021. Uh, really researching for six months and understanding the marketplace and understanding um, the reality of every single place and that you could go to in the car market. And then uh, in April, May, we started filming of 2021. Wow. Well, and how did you decide, I mean, to, to, to even just think the things you were learning and observing in those six months, how fast the card market was changing, how you've got new products, new content creators, new uh, grading companies. Like there's so many different things that entered the market or that's that started up uh or major like turning events where you know psa is shutting down like there's there's so much happening how did you decide what what do you want to focus on and what kind of message you want to get across yeah definitely that's that's a great question and there's a lot to unpack in the card industry right so what i decided to do was i i looked at it in certain sectors so not just looking at, hey, PSA card, which is a grading company, PSA, they shut down because they had too many cards to grade or Beckett is up there as a leader of PSA. I said, okay, let's look at what happens with grading a card and how do you grade it and move forward from that perspective. And then where do you sell cards? That's a big thing as well, right? eBay, uh, auction houses, you know, in person on Facebook marketplace. So really group that together. And then I thought, okay, people are going to need to know where to get cards from. So not just Target, Walmart, but a local card shop on eBay or card breaking online, which is a whole new world that never really existed in the past. So I started to um, really compartmentalize all these areas so that I could really understand how each work. So then I could kind of take that and then start to make it linear of how to put this in a film is how I started that. Okay. And along the way, you met some experts, like you met some of the movers and shakers in the hobby, you met some uh, high level collectors and investors. Yeah. And, uh, and, and my guess is that even though you went in with kind of a framework, you you learn from some of these, right, these leaders in the industry. And, and maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Like, who were some of the people that you're like, Oh, I got to get this, this guy, or I got to get this company, I got to get this angle on the card market for, you know, for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, great question. And uh, I'll start with Panini, right? You, you need Tops yeah. or Panini in the film because they're the card creators, right? So I, I told Paula, uh, which is our casting director and our executive producer, uh, we need to go out and get the CEO of Panini, right? And then I thought, okay, we need to get either PSA or Beckett because they're the leaders in the grading card section. And then I thought, okay, uh, from a, a card breaking online perspective, there's a lot of individuals that do a good job and there's some places that you could get 
say ripped off from, uh, essentially. <laughs> so what I yeah. did was I reached out to latent sports cards because I felt like they were just the most notable in terms of how to do things on, online uh, and professional. So really said, okay, who are we going to get in the space that we really need to? And then we backed into it to influencers, big investors. So we went after Rob Go because he just broke the record for selling a Mickey Mantle card for millions of dollars. And uh, we also uh, looked around to see who was influential that was really loving the space. And Steve Aoki was one of those. So, uh, you know, Steve Aoki, <laughs> famous DJ, he actually does a lot in the card space. I don't know how, I don't know if people know how much he does um, besides just buying big cards, but uh, he owns a, a card shop. He, own, he owns a TCG company now, MetaZoo, and he's done a lot. So we really focused on finding those key individuals in each space, and we just tackled that. And uh, Paula started, you know, getting them one by one for interviews, and we said, okay, we, we have to do this film now that we have the talent in place. Yeah, well, I, I love that you, number one, you went to the top. Like, you got some some big names, some leaders that, that made the film uh, – educational filled in a lot of gaps for for me because sometimes we only see the hobby from our little corner of the world when really it's a global thing and uh you know some people are dealing with a small budget others are dealing with mickey mantle 52 cards but there's still a lot a lot to learn you know about the hobby and i love how with some of those uh leaders or some of those well-known collectors and investors you gave us some some glimpses of what their thinking is like what their perspectives are like and uh, maybe you could give us a, a taste of, hey, some, someone that impressed you or something that you learned along the way from one of the, one of the people involved. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. That... Um, we can talk about a couple. So Steve yeah, Elke, yeah. just mentioned him, very eloquent speaker. Uh, it was the one interview that I, you know, as a director, you sit down uh, to interview someone, you have a lot of questions and you try to keep people on pace, right? To answer things uh, for the film that you need done. Uh, I think I said, hey, Steve, introduce yourself. And I might have asked him one other question over an hour or so interview. <laughs> so he literally, um, from my my perspective and, and how we talk about the film with you, you know, the understanding of how we perceive it and how it aligns with, with my movie, uh, Steve essentially thought the same way and just talked about it throughout the whole thing. So it all of a sudden became, we weren't talking to Steve about his card company and about MetaZoo. Uh, Steve really became um, an integral part of every section because he actually just talked about the industry instead of himself. So I thought that was very fascinating, uh, which you'll see in the film. Um, also, Jeff Wilson of Sports Card Investor mm -hmm. uh, does a lot behind the scenes uh, outside of just his YouTube channel and, and what he does with companies as well. So uh, he was really cool and kind of became our commentator uh, of our of our film without even realizing it just because of how much time we spent with him. And then the other one that surprised me the most was Josh Jacobs, the running back of the mm -hmm. Raiders. Uh, you know, yeah. we wanted to get sports involved, right? Outside of just collecting. And uh, Josh was local in Vegas. You know, he was top in Jersey sales. We felt like Josh was a great, you know, kind of person to put in our film in general. Um, and I knew he collected a little bit of cards, but I didn't realize, you know, he, he actually collects cards for uh, his future kids and things like that. So he's already collecting cards, you know, just thinking about what his future might look like um, to give them a piece of his history. So, you know, talking through that and, and, and things like that was really cool. Yeah. I, I love that you had Josh in the film and it's, it's amazing how many 
uh, big name athletes collect or talk about or display their cards like Giannis bringing cards to a press conference or uh, yeah. I saw Ken Golden posted today a picture of him and his son with Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers and he's a big collector and came up to them you know and introduced yeah. himself um, it, it is fascinating I, I love what this what this film is going to say and do for like uh, our friends and family that like I, I, I can't wait for them to watch it. It's it's been hard to not spoil it for them or to say anything. And I promise you I haven't. But it's like, oh, yeah, th this will help connect the dots and, and explain some things you, you've talked about, uh, you know, while, while there are some things that we who are already in the hobby like will identify with you were thinking about the people who aren't yet in the, in the room, you know, the people who uh, maybe they have questions or they're beginners or they just don't get why, why is Gary, why, why are Chris, why are they so into these cards? You know, you were looking at them and I'd love to hear what, what your hopes are for that aspect of the audience. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, the movie, everyone will relate to it. You know, like you said, us as card collectors, we're like, wow, that really happened during that time frame, right? And, and what's cool about our documentary is that time frame was just, you know, a year, year and a half ago um, versus some documentaries come out 10 years from now. But um, the overarching thing was how to ensure that someone comes in and doesn't just spend a bunch of money because they heard that this card market was cool and say, spend $1,000 on boxes and then they, you know, end up having $40 worth of cars. Like that's the last thing we need because then they don't even become a collector. They just leave the industry and they don't, they don't cherish it. They don't talk about it. And it's not a community driven industry at that point. Right. So I really focused on that piece um, with making it entertaining at the same time. So that even though I'm trying to drive home how to go about doing this correctly and going to those right individuals uh, for resources, like for mm -hmm. instance, Jeff Wilson, sports card, um, you know, investor, they have a great kind of uh, YouTube channel that kind of explains what's going on in the marketplace at all times, right? So you can go there and, and see news on the space. So really just giving them an idea. So hopefully they go to sports card uh, you know, investor and they, they start watching it. Um, so that, that was kind of key for me from that perspective, for sure. Yeah, well, I, I'd love to, like, it's a documentary. It's informative it introduces you to some of the key players, like you said, Jeff Wilson and some of the resources that are out there without being, um, it, it doesn't feel like a commercial at all for any of these, like for Panini or Beckett or anything. It doesn't, didn't feel, it felt more like, uh, for me, it felt like reliving the last couple of years, honestly, in the hobby in a way that um, my friends and family or people that, you know, like we just said, are brand new to this whole thing would, would really identify with. Um, so in that aspect, I want to say thank you. I, I think all of our listeners will be excited to, to see it, uh, to share it. I think they'll also identify with some of the basketball stories connected there because we are, I mean, our guys, our people collect and invest in different things, but we are like 95% basketball and we're, we're just loving the, the new season. Um, even though the Lakers aren't, we're loving it and uh, <laughs> just, just getting that started. Um, so in a moment, I want to, after the, our break, I want to pick your brain on some of the basketball angles and stories that, that happen in the, in the behind the card film. So let's, let's take a break and we'll be right back. All right. So Chris, you have some basketball stories some basketball 
personalities involved. Um, and I, I didn't tell you this uh, before, but I, I have a Michael Jordan sad story when it comes to my own card collecting. Yeah. Uh, I, in, in 1987 or 86, I bought a set of Fleer basketball cards and I thought, you know what, these will never be worth anything. They'll never be worth much, but I, I'll just like hang them up around my room. I'll put them on my notebooks for school. I peeled off all the stickers and put them on folders. Wow. Um, so I, my mom still had, uh, this is as of a year ago, we, they were moving and we got to clean out, help clean out their basement. I found my basketball workout folder from eighth grade with the Michael Jordan rookie sticker peeled off and slapped on that stinking folder. <laughs> and, um, and, and all that to say, like, I think a lot of us have some sort of a, a card story in our past, right? That's, that's a, a funny thing or a, a man, I wish I had done something differently. Uh, there's, there's a couple of moments in the movie in your documentary where uh, a basketball player is involved and there's this, there's this other, another Michael Jordan card. Maybe you could say what's going on with, with what happened there and, and kind of the statement, because it wasn't, it wasn't a debut thing that happened in the movie. It was, it was something that a lot of people knew about. Yeah. So you're talking about Vegas Dave, right? With, uh, Michael Jordan um, video that he did essentially uh, Vegas Dave has kind of rode the the market to where it was coming up and say 16 and 17 and uh sold off some really high-end cards for for mike trout uh, and he likes to call the highs of markets and the lows of markets uh, i guess is a good way of saying it and mm -hmm. essentially what happened was he started to notice that he thought that the card market was going to essentially ascend downward so he took a very valuable Michael Jordan rookie card and essentially uh, lit it on fire for everyone to see that he <laughs> showed that this card would not be valuable in the future, which was pretty yeah. wild to, to see at the time. And it sparked a lot of controversy, definitely in the card market space. Yeah. Cause a lot of us know what those comps are on a Jordan, <laughs> Jordan rookie or sticker and everything. Oh, yeah, wow. I want to say it was like $85,000 at that time, I want to say, roughly. Um, don't don't hold me point, to it, but it was it was high. It was a high amount. And the point he was trying to prove there... Is that the car market was crashing, and yeah. this car was going to be worthless in the next two to three years. Dude. Well, here, here's a question for you, um, and I got another basketball one coming up, but like, uh, you had you had several different... Uh, personalities with all different kinds of opinions on cards and different angles where they have had success or where they've enjoyed, you know, collecting and being a part of the hobby. Did you, did you come away from behind the card with, Hey, uh, this is a, an industry that's going to continue to grow or that the value of cards, the, the marketability of the new products that are coming out. Did, did you come out optimistic? Because like you said, some, some people have that, uh, belief or maybe they're more hopeful others are more skeptical and I, right. I appreciate that your film showed people on all different places when it comes to uh cards and different ways to invest yeah so i'll answer from a director point of view first <laughs> yeah, we yeah. kept it very neutral from our perspective in the film i didn't want to take my side of saying it was either going to go up or go down and have that push the the movie in one direction or, or the other so Essentially, we left it up to the audience to decide, right, uh, as, as you noticed. So we gave you both perspectives, as you said. It's either crashing or it's going to continue to rise. 
And uh, either way, you are going to dictate what you thought leaving that film. But in retrospect, just because I've been in the card collecting um, kind of arena for a while, and this isn't my first time in, into it, um, I would say that when, it, when you relate to buying base cards, which are just the normal everyday cards uh, because of the print runs that's been happening over the last few years and just the individuals that are taking base cards and grading them to get a higher price on them where they mm -hmm. case them in a case and, and give them a certain grade. I would say that those are things to stay away from moving forward for the time being. But number of cards that are, say, a cracked ice number to 49 or a red um, the parallel that's numbered to only five, like those rare cards are going to continue to be rare and hold their value over time. So from my perspective, I've transitioned from let's rip anything and everything <laughs> and mm. let's, uh, you know, collect everything possible and really focus on, okay, what are the main sets out there to focus on that are going to be the best brands in the future and going after numbered low cards is really where my focus is. So I'm almost kind of both ways, right? I'm optimistic, but at the same time, I do see a sort of downturn in, in some aspects of the card industry, but overall very healthy in terms of how many people are collecting cards nowadays. Yeah, well, that's one of the things I appreciated about uh, Behind the Card is uh, it wasn't preaching one side or the other. It was showing the hobby, the investment potential, the ups and downs of the market from a variety of perspectives. And like you said, letting the audience choose, because that's often what we, what we do anyway, right? You, you do you when you collect and invest and there's, there's uh, so many different ways to do it. Um, I, I really appreciated that. You know? Yeah. Too many films nowadays, you know, go one way or the other. Right. So we really wanted to show both perspectives and, and give the audience and their ability to choose themselves. And uh, we won a couple of festival awards uh, for our film when we went through festival season before the release coming up. And uh, one was, you know, we won best director and, and one we won just uh, overall best documentary. And I believe it's because we, we left that open for the audience interpretation and we didn't go one, one direction only. Yeah. Is it strange to say because you left it so open, I felt like I was living in the movie. Like I felt like I was a character as you, as you took us to different, uh, resources in the market, different decisions people had to make, different moments. I mean, uh, over the last three years, we, we've had some big moments, not just COVID that affected cards and market and spending. But I, th I think about as, a, as an NBA guy, as a basketball investor, what uh, Kobe Bryant's tragic uh, passing, at, the impact that's had on like me and my family personally, but like the hobby the basketball world uh you you talked about kobe and there was uh, several ways that that he's influenced the the card market the card industry you talked about that uh some in the in the film i'd love to hear yeah. your take on that and and what that meant to you yeah definitely and you know that interpretation of feeling like you're living in the film is is awesome because we want you to go research afterwards right so that mm. that's our goal is for you to live in the film and want to go check out the card market and one of that is collecting your favorite players and who, who uh, you know, a top three player for everyone in basketball. It's got to be Kobe, right? Yeah. Um, everyone loves Kobe Bryant. Um, and he has some amazing cards to collect over time, not just his rookie cards, but other parallels throughout the years. And, uh, you know, I spent a, a good five years in Los Angeles before I moved to Vegas uh, after, during quarantine. And so I became 
a bandwagon Lakers fan, you could say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I cherish Kobe Bryant and the community around that in, in L.A. And uh, we were able to capture, I, I like to call it a, a salute to Kobe Bryant. And uh, what was really unique is a lot of people don't know this yet, but you'll find out in the film, Panini had uh, Kobe Bryant as an ambassador for them. Uh, so Panini used to not own the basketball license for the NBA um, to actually show the logos on their cards uh, per se. So when they got that, one of the things after that was they went and got Kobe Bryant as an ambassador to help them kind of launch their brand in the basketball, you know, card perspective. So um, Panini and, and Kobe Bryant were so close. It meant a lot to them. And uh, it, there was an emotional part where Kobe Bryant did come up in our conversations and it led us down this path to do the salute, which we won't get into too much because I, I really want the audience to, to feel that emotion that everyone else does. Cause I, I do believe you'll get goosebumps, especially uh, if you, you know, collect Kobe Bryant or, or really appreciate the Lakers, but um, even the CEO of Panini, Mark Borsop, you know, he almost teared up when we started talking mm. about it because uh, we could really tell from our interview, they, they really cherished that relationship. And it was, it was just, um, it was just unfortunate, right. That, that, that happened so early in life. For sure. And uh, yeah, like, like a lot of us, I, I watched the redeem team uh, recently on Netflix that just about Kobe's leadership and the way he gave back, not only to the game, uh, but in our, in our case to, to the hobby in a meaningful way, like being that ambassador, like you said, and, um, yeah, I, I learned a bit about his involvement there in your film. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Uh, we, we felt coming from LA, you know, and just being in the car market and his cars being so valuable in general, it was a, a good time to give him a salute. Yeah. Well, um, I'd be curious what other basketball or, uh, hobby, how can I say this? Um, advice or angles or tips, like something that you would, you would think about our audience. Like what would you hope we'd walk away from the behind the card film with? And I don't want you to spoil anything, of course, but like, what do you hope that, that fans and collectors would walk away saying, like I said, I felt like I was living it. I felt like it was informative, but also entertaining. It was one of those, I know I've been pretty positive because it's, it's, it really is like at, when it ended at well, like 90 minutes or it's a little over an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Hour and 36 minutes. And because I'm an insider, you could have gone three hours and I would have loved every minute of it. Um, but, it, but the length that it, it did feel right. And it did feel like you ended with a, okay, now go do something with this. You know, yeah. um, I just said a bunch of words. I don't know if I asked you an actual question. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I'll, I'll what take do you hope we walk way. away with? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it this way and bring up Stevie Oki again. So there you go. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, Stevie Oki and part of it says, you know, don't get in the card market if you don't love collecting cards. You know, mm. too many mm. people essentially come into the space to buy a card for $100 because they think it's going to go to $300 in the next week or two or when basketball season starts. And they just uh, are essentially flippers, right? Well, that that's a road that gets you in trouble long term because you don't cherish the cards and at the end of the day this is a player on a piece of cardboard that you might have to say is worth zero in the future because it's just a piece of cardboard right 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 you know essentially when you come into this marketplace collect your favorite players your you know collect the team that you love so that you actually have cards that you enjoy looking at 
so that when family members or friends come over and something comes up, you can show them off and feel good about them, whether they are expensive or not. Uh, for instance, I, I collect, uh, I PC Brandon Clark from the Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he's essentially a six man a lot of times, right? Like he's not going to be the next LeBron James or Kobe Bryant and, and, you know, his cars aren't going to be that valuable over time. Right. But I really enjoy him. I, I enjoy watching him. I enjoy, you know, collecting his cards. So I have that. Um, I'm not really a Grizzlies fan, but I grew up uh, in high school that uh, Zach Randolph went to. So I saw oh, Zebo, high yeah. school and stuff as well. So, you know, I have yeah. a lot of his cards that, you know, aren't, aren't as valuable, but uh, it's just really cool. I have some of his high school cards uh, that he actually signed for me when I was young. So <laughs> nice. uh, pre even going into the NBA, right? So, you know, just collect what you love and don't overspend in the marketplace. Uh, as well right like come in and if you can only afford a, a dollar card buy a dollar card or the player you love if you can afford a hundred dollar card that's great as well just don't go out buying a thousand dollar box thinking you're going to get a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars worth of cards i think that's one of the things that i would say you know for right. individuals that are going to get into it hey prior that, to that, that reminds me one of the fascinating things about the the movie was you had different card shop owners speak into this and give advice somewhat like you just did. Like, Hey, if you're new to this, there, there are entry points at all different budgets, collect something that you love, you know, but, but it was, it was good. Maybe you could talk about some of the locations and then some of the specific card shop owners. I, I don't want to give away any names. I just thought that was, yeah, that definitely. was uh, like, that was like boots on the ground, you know, um, that we, we all maybe, I mean, I, I think of uh, Keith, Keith Newhart at Newhart Cards in nor just north of Columbus, Ohio, that when I came back to the hobby, uh, I went to his shop like twice a week at least. And he and Brian, uh, the staff there, like they helped like welcome me back and coach me up, you know, and I felt like we were getting yeah. some of that in the, in the film from your guys, like from the, the guys that own shops right now. Yeah, definitely. And um, to answer kind of your first question about, you know, kind of where we film this during quarantine, it, it was really hard to, to film in general in person. But um, as the director, I, I didn't want to do a virtual meeting with anyone, you know, especially since we were really focused on cinematography of the movie and being a theatrical release. So we essentially went everywhere. We started in Florida, then we went to Knoxville, Tennessee, and then we went to Atlanta, back to Florida. And then we went to Puerto Rico with Rob Go to right. talk about the Mickey Mouse card. And then we flew into Dallas uh, to talk to Panini and Beckett. And then we flew out to a auction house, PWCC in Portland, Oregon, uh, and then back to Vegas. So we did a lot of traveling and we went into all their locations. And what was interesting with the card shop owners is um, one just opened up because of quarantine, they shut down right over time. And then the other one hasn't opened, had it opened up. Joe Davis out of uh, got baseball cards in, in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, essentially uh, was just kind of getting going again. And he was doing most of the stuff online uh, still. So uh, we sat down with him. And what's cool is the individuals that we talked about, they were here pre 90s, a lot of, mm. you know, a lot of individuals yeah. as well in the film. So there was a boom in the 90s of cards and they over manufactured cards and there was a bust later on when eBay came around and thought, you know, your car was worth a hundred bucks, but it was really $2 because every single person in the United States had one in their attic, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, like a Bo Jackson rookie card or something like that. So um, it was interesting to hear the mindset of how these individuals that have had a building 
and sold boxes of cards, not just random cards, to people for decades uh, related differently in our film of how the card market was. And those are the individuals that want to take you in, like you said, when you come in as a new person and say, hey, I'm going to tell you everything about everything in my in my yeah. shop, and I'm going to tell you not to buy this, but you should probably start here because it's going to save you money or this is a better brand, right? They, they really take you in and hold you um, uh, under their arm and say, hey, I'm going to take care of you. And that's what's really, really cool about the car market uh, is that, you know, if you get to the right people, they, they really take care of you. Yeah, that, that idea of the card market isn't just a, a market and cards that we love to collect. It is a community. Like, I, I even just watching the film, Joe Davis was one. You mentioned him. I felt like I've never met the guy, but I trust him. There was, yes. there was just something about the, the things he said and the perspective he had and the calm, warm, the encouraging, like just, just genuine. And, and just this feeling of this might be the first time he's ever been interviewed on a, on a documentary right. or, or like on, on any sort of like uh, video media. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and at the same time, he's just real. I, I, I love that. We need that. Yeah, I was I was most shocked about him and Perry Solomon, just the two car shop owners, because they don't sit in front of a camera or they're not on stage like Steve Aoki or running touchdowns like Josh Jacobs, you know. So they I expected to have to coach them through interviews, but you know, they, they did such a good job and they come out so trustworthy in the way that they are naturally. So it's very unique. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you got that from their characters as well in the film. Awesome. Well, I, I know sometimes a movie comes out and there's, there's stories of things that happen behind the scenes or there's that, that gag reel, the bloopers. I, I'd love to hear if there were any like just funny moments where you're like, I can't believe that just happened or this, I can't believe I have access to this or here's a story a guy told me that I'm not supposed to share with you right now, but I'm going to like, I don't know, along the way, like you get, you get the front row seat for all of it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I don't know if there's anything inside scoopish that you'd want to share with us if 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 there is we'd love to hear it uh one of one of our interviewees our characters they uh we filmed them at 8 30 in the morning okay um i don't think they understood how big of a kind of film we were going to have so we had a pretty large crew when they came in they're like oh i thought this was going to be virtual let alone like one person in here and you guys are taking our entire shop out that's pretty wild. So I think he was a little nervous. So uh, eight thirty in the morning, he had a bottle of Crown under his <laughs> under his chair, and every once in a while would take a sip uh, during the interview that that we had with them. Just to, I think nice. first, but that that was pretty funny. And it's just interesting how uh, when you when you do a film like this, you come into someone like Steve Aoki, and he just starts talking, and you don't say anything. But then you know you have other individuals that haven't been on film. And in reality, so they uh, they're a little nervous, and you got to kind of talk through that and, and redo things to to ensure that they say what they're supposed to say about their company. Gotcha. Yep. That yeah. was unique. Well, and I'm I'm sure just the strong personalities that you met and the the opinions, the issues. It will be fascinating to see certainly where the card market goes from here, but also where where those key players go from here. I I like that that your film includes people that we might know or recognize like Jeff Wilson, you know, Steve Aoki, Josh Jacobs, for sure. Uh, but also it has, it has portrayals of just regular dudes, regular girls, men and women, whether they're in line at target to get 
you know, uh, yeah. lucky box of prism like you did, or just, just different scenes, uh, of what card collector life has been like. I thought that was a, a great touch that it wasn't just, uh, you know, celebrity driven or name driven. That makes sense. Definitely. And, you know, so Brad, the comeback investor is one of those guys that he's starting to get, um, more following on, on YouTube and stuff, but he's essentially telling people how to invest in, buying $25 to $50 cards so that they go to $300, $500. The, the ordinary collector investor that can afford that type of thing, right? So mm-hmm. um, we really wanted to um, ensure that people could connect to these individuals. And it wasn't just, well, Rob Go is a millionaire and he can afford a million-dollar car, but who can't? Who can do that, right? We didn't want that to drive our audience. So, yeah, we brought these characters in that were really focused on how they can pay for their monthly rent by trading or flipping, you know, cards. Right. And, um, right. That, that allows the audience to really say, okay, I, I could probably do this, or I could really collect cards. Right. Like how, how do we get individuals to, to join us in this space? You know, and, and those individuals are, are going to be the ones that drive it. Right. Like Steve Aoki and Josh Jacobs, th- those get, those get individuals in the seat to watch it. Right. But yeah. At the end of the movie, you realize it's these other individuals that you actually start to follow on social, not, you know, Steve Aoki and those guys. Right. Right. Well, we, I, you know, we always hear the big headline about the million dollar card or the big, you know, investor, uh, angel investor that comes in. But the other 99% of us, we're buying $30 cards. We're buying $100 cards or we're buying, we're digging through the dollar box, you know, looking for the yeah. Josh Jacobs that we can find or whatever. But like, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, for making the movie, um, for putting a voice and a video and uh, doing it so well. Like sometimes when I recommend a documentary that maybe people haven't seen a preview or a trailer of, or they didn't hear about yet on Rotten Tomatoes or something like there's this, uh, is it going to be good? You know, is it, am I going to want to watch this? And you guys, Hoops and Cards, you will love it. You will absolutely love it. You will want to thank this man and uh, you might want to reach out and follow some of the people in the movie or, or uh, see what more they have to say about the card industry. But I, I think it's awesome. And um, I'm honored that I, I'm the kind of person that if I get excited about something, I can't stop talking about it. Um, so I, I know there'll be a day when I can talk with everybody like openly about it. Um, maybe you could tell us how we can find the movie when it's coming out, whatever, whatever you're allowed to tell us at this point, because um uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's well done, and I want my friends and family to see it. I want our listeners to see it. I want to see it again. Um, we have we have a series on hoops and cards that's called Basketball Cards One Hundred and One, where we go over like each episode is something basic about the hobby, like when's a good time to buy or when's a good time to sell or what about grading or mm-hmm. what you know what about um, uh, different points of the year when there's good you know good entry points to the market and bad time like just how to take care of your cards, all those things. It, it feels like uh, your documentary should be required viewing in the course <laughs> Basketball Cards 101 because you hit on all those things and more. So thank you so much for doing it. How can we tell us more about it, how, how we can see it and, uh, you know, what, yeah. what's new next, man? Yeah. So it's a feature film documentary. So it's actually going to start in theaters. So look for that to come out, um, you know, coming out in, say, a few weeks uh, from now. And uh, follow us on Instagram at who's behind the card that's at, and then just who's behind the card, uh, for, you know, different things that we're doing behind the scenes, see more of our cast that we didn't talk about because we put everyone on there. 
And uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited to show the world this film. And uh, I, I love how you uh, talk about it and how it's, it's built for everyone uh, to, to really enjoy this space. And also, you know, it's not a boring documentary. You know, I, one of my key responsibilities was don't make this a documentary, even though it's a documentary, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I, I really focused on and, and putting out things that people would enjoy and they would learn without realizing that it was a documentary. So definitely well, check out our Instagram at who's behind the card for more updates and uh, go sit in the theater and watch this uh, where it really, really is going to showcase it on the big screen. Awesome. And I'll put, put some of that in our show notes, but at who is behind the card. Um, yeah. Like you said, documentaries. Um, I think we've all probably watched one or two where you get halfway through and you're like, Oh, they got an agenda or, Oh, this isn't really well done or, Oh, this is boring. Nope. Yours, <laughs> yours is extremely well done. It's fun to watch. Um, it engages where we're at, like real people in the hobby, collecting, investing, um, riding the roller coaster of the last few years, man. I love that it's current. And it's the kind of thing that I would want to recommend to anybody. So thank you. Thank you so much for making it. We'll look forward to uh, watching it in a couple of weeks and talking more about it as yeah. a, as a hoops and cards community. We have a discord where we interact, but certainly Instagram is, is a great place for that. Um, yeah. Any other, maybe like a final word of advice to collectors and investors moving forward, because you have had a unique front row seat to some of the, the high rollers, like the high, you know, high stakes people in the hobby and big issues. Is, is there one takeaway you might, you might leave us with today? I, I probably should have prepped you for this, Chris, but you're good on the fly. You're, you're rocking with this. What advice or encouragement would you give to collectors and investors? Maybe it's basketball card related. Maybe it's just like big picture. Yeah, I think basketball card related. Uh, right now, as this is being released to you guys, it's the time of the year that everyone is buying cards because basketball season started again recently, right? So I would hold off a few months before I even start buying those cards myself for the for the PC of those individuals that you enjoy collecting. Um, but uh, I urge you guys to go on online, check out some YouTube videos of just sports cards, watch breaks, uh, do research, and kind of find a community that you love out there that you uh, are attached to. You know, the reason we put Layton sports cards in our um, in our movie is because I actually. Uh, spend my money to break with them. You know, they, they send me cards from breaks. Uh, so, Boom. you know, yeah. I enjoy that community. <laughs> Shout out to Layton Sports Cards. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I enjoy that community. So go find your community and you're going to love the sports card market. If you don't find a community to uh, share this with, then you might not be in the space too long. And that community will help you buy the right boxes and cards. That, that's what I would say is if I, if I could start over again, I would find that mm. to be faster than I did the first time. Yeah, man, that's, that's been for me a highlight with hoops and cards is this podcast started like almost two years ago. And the people that I met almost instantly from different parts of the world and we're messaging on Instagram, we're sharing ideas. We've got a discord now and uh, a lot of people know each other now and are doing meetups. It's just, it just kind of happened organically, but you're absolutely right. Like I, I learn from them more than, you know, any content I'm putting out in a podcast. I learn from these men and women and that's, that's been a blast. So you're absolutely right. Get in a community, connect, keep growing, you know, yeah. Set a budget. Right. <laughs> you can spend a lot of money very quickly this day. So set a budget. Don't get, don't get too crazy up front buying too much and, and just enjoy and share right. with the community. 
And dude, I totally agree with what you said at the beginning of like, dude, it's the beginning of the season. You don't have to buy stuff now. Like there will be times right in the next few months that might be a better entry point. Take your time, enjoy it. Uh, get to know what's out there. Anyway, make some friends. So Chris, thank you so much. I feel like I met a, I met a new friend as well. Grateful for you and, yeah. and what you do. We're excited to see behind the card. Yeah, I can't wait for it to come out and uh, looking forward to all of you guys enjoying it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye then.